This is a Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast Patreon exclusive. If you are hearing this, we would like to thank you for your financial support. We couldn't do this without you. Now sit back and let us do what we do best. Pretend that we know what we are talking about. Hello everyone and welcome to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Sports trivia for those of us who rode the pine. Today's episode is a special bonus episode featuring Benchwarmers Eric, Mason, Matt, Scott, and myself, Josh. Today's game will feature questions about one of each player's favorite teams. For Eric, the Colorado Avalanche. For myself, the Minnesota Twins. For Mason, the New Orleans Saints. For Matt, the Green Bay Packers. And for Scott, the Orlando Magic. Each benchwarmer was assigned a team to write eight questions about. These questions will be answered by the expert benchwarmer who will check in first, followed by a team of the remaining three benchwarmers. Each correct answer will be worth 10 points. Anything you guys want to say before we, uh, before we get this game underway? No, excited. Who, who wrote my questions? I did. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't Scott, so it's better if Scott didn't do it because I don't know what he would have came up with. Uh, every single answer would have been Peter Forsberg. That's correct. Hey, you never know. You might find that same thing happen here. <laughs> well, well, we'll find out shortly here. Okay, so it is time for the Colorado Avalanche trivia given by Mason. All right, we will get started with question number one. What longtime flame and recent Hockey Hall of Fame inductee scored his 600th goal and played in his 1500th game while a member of the Avalanche? I could check in. Eric's checked in. Everyone else, go ahead and discuss. Yeah, I have a feeling that's going to be the way it goes the entire game, Eric. I yeah. can check in. Well, at least it was a quick check-in. So, you know, <laughs> we're, uh... All right, the long-time flame. So if he scored 600 goals, he's probably a guy that's getting into the Hall of Fame fairly quickly after he retires. So he had to have retired within the last 10 years, don't you think? So who, who was, like, big with the flames? The only flame I know that was big was, what's his name, Jerome McGinley. That's who I was thinking of too, because he. I don't know if he. I don't remember him. I don't know if he went anywhere else. Oh no, he left. He left the Flames, but I don't know that he went to Colorado. I'd be fine with Jerome McGinley. Yeah, I think I saw an SB Nation um, about him recently about guys that never won a championship. Should we check in with Jerome McGinley? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. All right, we're checking in. All right, checking in with Jerome McGinley and Eric. What did you check in with? So, uh, honestly, it tripped me up a little bit in the first uh, part of the question because they had two longtime Flames eventually come and play for them. Um, Theo Fleury did um, for a while, but I don't think he scored his 600th goal with the Avalanche. Um, so I did check in with uh, Jerome McGinley. So Eric also checked in with Jerome McGinley. And the correct answer is Jerome Arthur Lee Adekunle Tidge Jr. Elvis Aginla. <laughs> that is his full name. I had to look up pronunciations for a couple of them. But that is his full name. It's a combination of a bunch of his family names and grandfather names and nicknames. And You had to look up the, the pronunciation for Elvis? Uh, no, Atacunale, and it's spelled Tig, but it's pronounced Tidge, apparently. So, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, did I, did, did, did I just get a hockey question right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Now, Mason, unfortunately, is down 10 points at the moment, but he'll have a chance to catch up. Uh, so he was actually inducted... A couple of weeks ago, um, as part of the 2020 class, he was oh. one of six inductees. So recent as in really recent. Yeah. Oh, way to go, Scott. All right. Everyone got that one right. Scott is so excited right now. 
I'm about to retire from this podcast because destiny fulfilled, my friends. Hey, there's still seven questions left. You never know. You might get a couple more. I don't, I, I, I don't care. I got one. Fair enough. All right. Question number two. What center who played his entire 21-year career with the Nordique slash Avalanche and possesses many of the franchise's scoring records is the current general manager of the Avalanche? I'm checked in. Eric's checked in. Everyone else, go ahead and discuss. Peter Forsberg, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, Scott, go ahead and answer this. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to check in with Peter Forsberg. All right, checking in with Peter Forsberg. And Eric? Um, sorry, Scott. Don't care. It's uh, Joe Sackick. Eric's checking with Joe Sackick, and that is the correct answer. Uh, he is one of six players to be a part of both of their Stanley Cup wins. So, all right. Question number three. The current owner of the Avalanche, as well as the Denver Nuggets, is married to the longtime owner of the MLS's Colorado Rapids, Premier League's Arsenal, and the Los Angeles Rams. What last name do they share? Check in. Eric's checked in. Everyone else? The owner of the Rams. That's the only part that I thought I would even have a clue on. Yeah, I, I, should, I should know the owner of the Nuggets, but... Just watched a video about the... The, the new stadiums in both the, the uh, Chargers and the Rams, and they talked about the owner quite a bit, and I can't think of his name. Like McElroy? It's like an Irish name or something, I think. Not McIntyre. Yeah, I don't know. Scott, I thought you would pull this one. Yeah. I should. I mean, I'm obviously trying to think from the Nuggets angle, but as far as NBA teams go, they're pretty close to the bottom of teams that I care about and pay attention to. Eric, there isn't a song associated with the name that you could hum for us or something? No, I don't think that name would work with any songs. Guys, unless you can think of something else, let's just go with... I mean, if you think it's something Irish, then... I'd be fine going with your one guess you initially had. I'd be fine with that. McElroy? That's that's not it. I know that's not it, but I mean, sure. And come up with a funnier uh, Irish-sounding name. McShamus... Oh, money bags. Sure. Seamus <laughs> Oh, money bags. <laughs> Works for me. Check it in. Yeah, I'm checked it in. So you're checked in with Seamus Oh, money bag. I can't even say it. No, no, Mick Seamus. Get it right. Jeez. <laughs> do not, do not disrespect the Oh, money bag family. Jeez. It's, it's imperative to the question. <laughs> checked in with Mick Seamus Oh, money bags. And Eric, go ahead and give us your answer. The correct answer is, sorry, no, I'm, my guess, I think, I don't know, um, Stan Kroenke, so the Kroenke family. Kroenke. It's not even close to Irish. Yeah, I don't know where you get the Irish part, but the correct answer is Kroenke. Uh, so Stan Kroenke owns uh, the Rapids, Arsenal, and the Rams, and because of an NFL rule saying you can't have teams, multiple teams in markets, uh, that's why his wife, Ann Walton of Walmart fame, the granddaughter of Walton fame, uh, owns the Avalanche and the Nuggets now. Not looking so good, guys. Now we're we're down. <laughs> hey, at least he won't get shut out. That's the good part about this. You know for sure. That is true. Won't get shut out. All right. Question four. What Swede, the second overall pick in the 2011 NHL draft, became the youngest permanent captain in Avalanche history, as well as NHL history, at 19 years, 286 days, before being beat by Connor McDavid in 2016? That's a landline? Landline. Landline. <laughs> It's not the landline. <laughs> I will tell you, that is my dad's phone. It's not a landline. There's some range on that thing. That's his ringtone. 
He has a rotary phone. I'm checked in. <laughs> yeah, Eric's checked in. Everybody else, go ahead and talk it out. How many Swedish hockey players drafted in 2011? Do you guys know? I don't know any. Nope. I yeah. No, I don't know. I can. I'll, I'll give you guys a hint. He's very handsome. Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm a guy. I'm just. He. He is. Like if you would Google handsome man, his picture comes up. I'm just saying. All right. Swedish names. Hey, Doherty, aren't you Swedish? I am. But I'm too busy Googling handsome man. <laughs> hey, no cheating. Don't cheat on this question. It probably came up too. <laughs> probably did. Pretty sure I saw the I think the only guy I saw on that screen was the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. Is that is that true? Yeah, there you go. Uh, I want to see how long it can scroll through images before his face pops up. Hold on. I got nothing, guys. No, I I, I remember seeing uh, a video on YouTube recently about uh, a Swede hockey player that went back to play like seniors. Backstrom? Is that a Swedish guy? Nicholas Backstrom? Nicholas Backstrom. Sure. Let's go with that. I mean, because I, I know there's a goalie Backstrom, but then there's also... Uh... Oh, not Nicholas Backstrom. So not... No, it's I just go with the last Yeah, name, just Backstrom. Backstrom. Let's go with that. All right. Checking in with Backstrom. And Eric, go ahead and give us your answer. So I'm devastated because I... Maybe not handsome man. So I typed handsome blonde man. Um, and Andy Roddick pops up before him, which is very disappointing. Um, but the, <laughs> the answer is uh, uh, Gabriel Landeskog. Eric's checked in with Gabriel Landeskog, and the correct answer is Gabriel Landeskog. Um, so he's the current captain of the Avalanche. And technically, there was somebody younger. It was Brian Bellows, but he was only a temporary captain for the North Stars in 1984. So what if he was only a temporary one? Yeah, that, don't, that doesn't count? Well, it... I, that's why I said permanent captain in the question, because there is a distinction that is made in NHL history with that. So moving on to question number five. In the 1995-96 season, their first season in Denver, the Avalanche reached the Stanley Cup finals and won. What team, which was in its third year of existence at the time, was swept by the Avalanche in those finals? I'm checked in. Eric predictably is checked in. Everyone else? Okay, so third year of existence in the East. I think it was Florida, the Florida Panthers. Trying to think of other teams that came in in that early 90s period there. Florida, I think Tampa came in later, right? Yeah. What about that? When did the Hurricanes come in? Well, the Hurricanes moved from, uh, where they moved from? Uh, They moved from uh, Hartford. They were the Hartford Whalers. Okay. So so it wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been in their third year of existence. So. Most of those East Coast teams are pretty established. I would think uh, right. the Thrashers, maybe Atlanta. I thought they were. Were they after that? I'm like seventy percent sure it's the Panthers. But unless you guys, because I know they got they came out of the, they came out you know firing those first few years. They were pretty good. I'm fine with that. They had some pretty good goaltending. So yeah, sounds good to me. We'll go with the Florida Panthers. All right, checking in with the Florida Panthers and Eric. So they won game four in triple overtime against the Florida Panthers, and uh, U-Croup scored that uh, goal. To, it was a one nothing victory. Also checked in with the Florida Panthers, and both teams are getting points. The correct answer is the Florida Panthers. So the Avalanche were the first NHL team to win a Stanley Cup in the season following relocation. Um, and that particular season was the only one where the Panthers won a playoff series. They've been back four times since and haven't won a series. This guy... This guy is not pulling his weight. Because <laughs> you got, because Scott and I each got one. <laughs> you each got one. <laughs> hey, there, there are three questions left. You might get one in the three. You never know. Uh, 
unless it was you know who scored the winning goal to knock them out in the from the Minnesota Wild. I could answer that one. All right, which one? Depend. What time? Andrew Burnett. What about Nino Niederreiter? Eh, that one wasn't as big of a deal. It was to me. Anyway. (laughs) Moving on. Question six. Another notable fact is that the Avalanche had the longest streak in NHL history of consecutive division titles, and this streak started in their first season. How many consecutive seasons did they win their division to set this record? All right, I'm going to check in. Eric's checking in. Matt, Josh, and Scott, go ahead and talk. Well, so who's who's in their division? Oh, I sound like such an idiot. Well, so they came in. They came in and was that ninety? Which what did you say? They moved moved there in ninety four, the ninety four ninety five season. Yeah. So in that division at that time would have been, were they playing out in the? That was the first time of the newer divisions of the. They got rid of the um, you know, Norse and all that stuff. So I think in that division would have been Chicago. Uh, St. Louis, Dallas, Phoenix. Okay, so that, I mean that's kind of helpful because obviously we know it's not going to exceed when like or it's not likely to exceed like when the Stars got really good or when the Blackhawks got really good. I was going to say it's it's got to be more than one and it's got to be less than ten. It can't be more than ten. Right. I was think initially I kind of thought like six or seven. That's seven was kind of my, you know. Because if the, if this started in you know say ninety three ish ninety four around that time, I started playing. The only th- the only reason I know anything about hockey is I played like the video games in like the early two thousands, and the Avalanche were still really good in those games. What year was that? Probably like two thousand two thousand and one. They were still really really good. I say we go with eight, just because it's got to be an extraordinary number, right? Because that was a record for the most amount of division championships in a row. That's a lot. I mean, it could be eight. Well, I have no real clue. Yeah, neither do I. This is a total guess. I'm just... You pick six, you could pick seven, you could pick eight. Just don't pick more than they've been around. I guess that'd be the only... Scott, pick a number. I'd go seven. We'll check it in with seven. All right, checking in with seven. And Eric? You guys had it, and then you didn't. The They won eight straight division titles, and their divisions actually switched probably towards the end of it, too, so it wasn't the same division every time. But checking in with eight. Eric's checked in with eight, and one team's getting points. The correct answer is eight. So they won from 95, 96, all the way to 02, 03. And they also made two other straight playoff appearances before ending their playoff streak in 06, 07. Don't let me talk you out of right answers, guys. Come on. (laughs) Haven't you learned anything yet? Dang. Question seven. Before the move to Denver, ComSat Entertainment Group bought the team and struggled to decide on the team name, considering names such as the Blizzards and Black Bears. However, they decided on a particular name, but the public backlash to the name was so bad they changed it to the Avalanche. What name, which even Nuno Betancourt might have had objection to, did ComSat almost choose? I got this one, guys. (laughs) All right. I think you got me, Mason. Oh, I mean, it can't all be easy. I mean, they could. This is the easiest one you've asked. Is it? Uh, if you understand the hint. Uh, you know, I wasn't even paying attention to that. Damn it. <laughs> See, I'm talking too much. I get so excited about knowing something. Dude, stop being me. You're not being me today. Giveaway answers. I have half the name I can't, but I'm not getting the hint, so I don't... I mean, I will accept just the... You know, the mascot part of it. Oh, really? 
Okay. All right. No, I got that. I got that. Then I can check in. Okay. Eric's checking in. Well, Nuno Betancourt is the guitarist for Extreme. So my guess is they would have been the Extreme. Let's do that then. We'll check in with Extreme. All right. Checking in with Extreme and Eric. So I didn't know that at all. So that 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 clue, that's probably why I missed it. Because I, I would, wouldn't have helped. Um, I knew they were the Extreme, but I didn't remember what they... Because it wasn't Colorado, it wasn't Denver, it was something else. And I couldn't remember what it was. And I'm sure when I hear it, I'll kick myself. But I checked in with Extreme. Also checked in with Extreme. extreme. And yes, Josh picked up on the clue. I was going to add Gary Sharon, but I figured that he, he's more famous of the two. Be, give the subtler clue um but the correct answer is the rocky mountain extreme but extreme is correct that's all i needed for that one that's kind of i figured you were only gonna need that part yeah yeah that was a a, that was a bad team name so good thing they changed it crossover with our halftime round hey we've each gotten one yay yeah we can't get the next one right with the other (laughs) (laughs) go ahead and tank it right now and then yeah not to worry about i mean odds are we won't get it anyways oh there All right, question eight. This one's a long one, so I'll be more than glad to read it again as well. One iconic moment in Avalanche history occurred on March 26th, 1997, when the Avalanche visited the Red Wings and what is now known as the Brawl in Hockey Town and Fight Night at the Joe, which featured nine fights and 39 penalties. In this game, enforcer Darren McCarty sought revenge and went after what Avalanche right winger who shattered Detroit's Chris Draper's cheek and orbital bone by checking Draper from behind in game six of the 1996 Western Conference Finals. And for this, I'm going to need first and last name. I'm checked in. Eric's checked in. Right winger needs a first and last name. So were there brothers on the team? Multiple, or? yeah. Players with the same name, yeah. And he said he was an enforcer, right? No, he was a right wing. Well, they said he was a right winger. He went after him because he checked a guy into the boards. Yeah. So I don't know if he's necessarily an enforcer per se. All right. Do we know any brothers that played for the Avalanche potentially? Or from the same country and have the same last name? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I know a couple of players from the 97 Avalanche team, but I know it's not Peter Forsberg. <laughs> Could be. I'm so disappointed in Mason that we did not have a single Peter Forsberg or Patrick Waugh question. Come on. You got to give us Lubs something. I barely know anything about the Avalanche, and those are two names I recognize. That'd be a little bit more difficult than that. What's the name of the uh, company that the two brothers want to create in Step Brothers? Prestige Worldwide? <laughs> there you go. I, I say we check in with uh, Prestige Worldwide. <laughs> That's probably about as good as uh, I'm going to come up with. Yeah, I, I got no, I got to be honest, though. I, Eric, you might be able to answer this for me. Can I YouTube that game? Because it sounds riveting, and I actually want to watch it. Oh, the the highlights of that game everywhere. Yes, it's yeah. I want to watch. I mean, I want to watch the entire game. If there's like how many fights? Nine, nine fights, thirty nine penalties. It exploded after that happened. It was, it started. Yeah, it started a huge rivalry between the two teams. It, it, That's yeah. awesome. Did John Saunders like comment afterwards? No, no. Steve Levy may have, and Barry Melrose, but maybe not. I think there's an SB Nation video on it. Yeah, yeah. Beef history. There's a whole long thing about those two. Do we want to check in with Prestige Worldwide? I think that's a good idea, yeah. Hold on, let me go put my tuxedo on real quick. Okay. (laughs) All right, so you're checking in with Prestige Worldwide. And Eric, go ahead and give us your answer. I checked in with... uh, He wasn't a good regular season guy. 
um, but he shares the last name with one of the greatest players in NHL history. Um, it was Claude Lemieux. Eric checked in with Claude Lemieux, and that is the correct answer. Uh, the reason I had to clarify is there were four different players with the last name Lemieux in the league at the time. Uh, there's Mario, Lane, Claude, and Jocelyn, so all four of those. Same time, so that's why I needed the first and last name. And they were brother pairs. Um, well, we got hockey out of the way now. <laughs> hey, you got three of them, though. It's better than you were expecting. Hey, we each got one. I'm, I'm on cloud nine. And I got one not because of the sports <laughs> reference. Because <laughs> of the pop culture reference. You're going to start an extreme podcast now. I'm all in. <laughs> okay, so after the Avalanche trivia, we have the following scores. Uh, Mason, as the host, did not score any yet. Uh, the team of Josh, Matt, and Scott has 30 points. And Eric has set the pace as during his expert round with 80 points. It is now time for Minnesota Twins trivia given by Matt. All right. Thanks, Josh. For this Minnesota Twins themed bonus round, uh, we'll start with two standard question and answer trivia questions each worth 10 points. Then we'll move on to two pre and post game questions, each worth 10 points. Then to how low can you go with a, with a total of 10 points each. We'll get to the scoring when we get to that. And then we'll wrap it up with two more standard Q and a question, trivia questions worth 10 points each. We'll start off with question. Number one, the hall of famer Kirby Puckett was drafted by the twins. Number three overall, but in what year did he make his major league baseball debut? I'll check in. Okay, so I'm thinking it's like uh, mid to late 80s. 86 came to my mind, but... I was, think, I was thinking 86 or 87 were kind of the two in my head that I was thinking. I mean, they won the series in 87. Okay. If they won in 87, maybe it was a little bit before 86. Yeah, was he, was he a rookie on that team? I mean, he could have come up in 86 and then been in his second year in 87. I know he was more established, obviously, when they won it in 91. If he was on the 87 team, maybe like 84, 85... I like 84. It seems a little early to me, though. Like, because, I mean, he retired, you know, he had the glaucoma and everything. He didn't, Yeah. he had to retire kind of early. And he was, like, relatively young. So when did he retire? Because I, I don't know much about him, really. 90. It was, like, early 90s. 95? Did he make it to 95? It was 94, 95. It was around there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, yeah. I only think, I don't think, I think he played about 10 seasons. So... 8045 is puts it right there. I like 84 better than 85. I'm I'm good either way, 84 or 85, but I I do feel good about those. All right, Mason, which one do you like better, 84 or 85? I'm I mean, like I said, I don't know much about this particular player. I'm inclined to go 84. Let's go with it. Checking in with 84. So, uh yep, so the challenges are checking in with 84. Josh, what do you got? His rookie baseball card was 1985. Um typically the rookie cards they had, you know, part of a season under their belt from previous. Sometimes it could be more than one, uh, but I went with 1984 as well. Yep. Uh, Kirby Puckett made his major league debut on May 8th of 1984. In his first game against the Angels, Kirby went four for five with one run. So points all around for everyone. Good job. All right. Question number two. After beating the 2002 Moneyball A's in five games, the Twins went on to face the Angels in the ALCS. They ended losing the series in five games. 
but what twins closer got the save in a tight two to one game one? All right, I'll check in. All right, guys, talk it out. Okay, Eric, I, I know you know your closers. I'm pretty sure this is Eddie Guardado. Nathan was after that, right? Nathan wasn't until like 2004. Yeah, Nathan wasn't 02 yet. I, I know every day Eddie was their closer in the early 2000s. Who was the guy right before him? Like the closer before him? Yeah. Uh, There's a guy, the guy I remember from the 90s. I don't think he, maybe he didn't make it that far into the 2000s. Um, Agu- Agu- Aguilera or something like that? Oh, Rick, Rick, Rick Aguilera. Yeah, I don't, he's not the closer in 02. Okay. I think I don't even think he was still in the league in 02. I know LaTroy Hawkins was in that bullpen, but I think he was more of a setup guy. No, we can go with yours. Mason, any input? <laughs> Absolutely none. I mean, I could maybe name a pitcher on that team. Maybe. I'd probably be wrong anyway. So I'm good with whatever you want to go with. You trust me in 1984. I trust you with this one. All right. So let's uh, let's check in with Everyday Eddie Guardado. All right. You guys are checking in with Eddie Guardado. Josh, what do you got? Yeah, I went through the same debate in my head. <clears throat> I was thinking about... Nathan, that was first popped, but I was like, no, I think uh, Brzezinski was still on the team because um, that's who they, that was one of the players they got in the Brzezinski trade. So I was like, can't be Nathan. So then, um, and I don't think Latroy Hawkins would have been closing at that time. He did have a small stretch where he was their closer, but I also checked in with everyday Eddie Guardado. Yep. And uh, both teams getting points here. It is everyday Eddie Guardado. Eddie was a two-time All-Star and led the AL in saves in 2002. And on his way to a 16-year Major League Baseball career, I didn't know it was that long. So in my Googling, I was sitting there, wow, 16 years. Good for him. Those lefty relievers last, man. Right, yep. And uh, just to clear it up, yeah, uh, Rick Aguilera did uh, transition from a save from a closer to a starter uh, roughly 1994. And then he stayed a starter for about four more years, and he retired in the late 90s. I don't know who the closer was before Eddie in the uh, late 90s, but Eddie started as the closer about 2000. And then the year after him came in with a good old level at Latroy Hawkins, and then 2004 uh, is when he lost his job to Joe Nathan. Okay, we'll move on to question number three, which is in our pre- and post-game round, Minnesota Twins edition. So everyone ready? This utility infielder, with a fantastic first name, made his major league debut for the Minnesota Twins in April of 2008, while also having two stints with the clubs in the with the club in the late 70s and late 80s, on his way to a long-term broadcasting career with the club. Though I'm not sure when he'll be home. I think I'm gonna just have to check <laughs> in with not the right answer. All right. Uh, Mason, Scott, and Eric, why don't you talk it out? Mason, what's on your mind? So I don't know if he's the broadcaster, but I have an idea because I played MLB The Show, and he's one of my starting pitchers, is Burt Blylevin. Okay. So that seems like it would fit a last name maybe. And I don't know how long he played. I just know he's around that time period. Sure. No, he definitely is. I can see the card, and I remember him being around that time period. Um, The other thing – I'm trying to figure out what the fantastic part is. Yeah, so is that – yeah, right. Is he saying – Really good first name? Or is it Matt? Is it Matt? Oh, oh, because it would be – That's kind of what I was thinking, but – Okay, so Matt something Bert Blylevin. (laughs) I was trying to go through utility infielders for the Twins. Yeah, I mean, I I can name a lot of guys that were on the Twins around that time, but I think Christian Guzman had – just left. Jason Bartlett, I think, was gone by then. 
What about is it Matt Tolbert? Did you guys say that already? No. Matt Tolbert, Y11? Is he a player? Do we know for sure? Yeah, the name's familiar. Was he a utility infielder, though? Yeah, I think that's the best guess we're going to have. I, I like I like Matt Tolbert, Y11. I don't think we're going to come up with anything remotely better than that. I'm okay with that, too. All right, let's go with it. All right, so you guys are checking in with Matt Tolbert, Bly 11. Okay. Josh, what did you check in with? Well, I think they're right. Um, but to be honest with you, I don't remember Matt Tolbert being a twin. Uh, I, that name doesn't even ring a bell to me. Even if I would have clued in on the fantastic first name of Matt, I wouldn't have come up with Tolbert. So I am checked in with Nick Puntobert, Bly 11. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a real utility <laughs> infielder. He played outfield too. He played everywhere. Nick Puntobert Blylevin. All right. So uh, points on one side. It is Matt Tolbert Blylevin. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, Josh. I, I thought if anybody's going to get Matt Tolbert, it was going to be you. So, and I only added no, the fantastic no. first name in just earlier today because I thought it was way too hard without that, with just saying a utility infielder 2008. But even if even if I would have been somebody on my team saying, fantastic name of Matt, I don't know if I would have come up with yeah. Tolbert. Dang it. All right. So points for the uh, whatever other team, non-expert team. We'll move on to pre and post game number two. This three-time All-Star, Cy Young winner, and virtuoso on the mound uh, would find himself in a Mets uniform after his time with the Twins. And also started his 21-year Major League Baseball career with the Twins to later have stints with 10 other clubs primarily as a relief pitcher. I'm checked in. Okay, Josh is checked in. Non-experts, go ahead and expert away. All right, so the first part's Johan Santana. Right? Yeah, so how does... Wait, you say virtuoso. What does that have to do with Johan Santana? I'm getting it from the fact that he won the Cy Young and played for the Mets and was a a three-time all-star i'm just trying to figure out what that clue means virtuoso just i don't know what that's supposed to i don't know if that has some kind of con i mean just like fantastic gave us to matt i don't know if virtuoso is supposed to be specific to something i don't know i mean it's got to be johan santana right like i mean virtuoso just means you know like talented yeah excellent at something so i don't know it's just it's it's a weird word choice it is, but he's you know, he, but he likes the twins, so like he's going to use extravagant <laughs> words to describe their players. Extravagant, yes. Okay. So Johan Santana. So is it is it uh or is it no? Like that's what we have to kind of figure out. Nathan, something like that. Nate, Nathan. Oh, it could be Nate. Uh, and he said primarily relief pitcher, so he could have been like a spot starter once in a while. But twenty-one years, though. I mean, that's. It's quite a long career. I'm trying to think of people that played that long. Relief pitchers. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but 21 years and how he said what, like 10 teams? Yeah, it's like a journeyman relief pitcher. I don't think we're getting there. Is there any other name that could work? Anna. Yes, Johan Santana Kornikova. Yes, I'm good with that. Nailed it. That's actually great. <laughs> I like it. Well, I'm going to use that as a pre post game. <laughs> <laughs> good one maybe we're overthinking it no no shade to bomb but he got it pretty quickly so maybe it's not like someone that obscure 
If Josh got it, we should all be getting it. Sweet Jesus. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that, like, he got it relatively quickly is, is my point. I, I'm, I'm thrown in the towel. I think we should check in with uh, Johan Santana Kornikova. Okay, you are checked in with Johan Santana Kornikova. Josh, uh, please tell me you got this one. <laughs> I got this one. So uh, I the second half, I already mentioned the guy once. Um, Kirby Puckett? Nope. But the you have the wrong Cy Young winner for the Twins. This would be Frankie Sweet Music Viola Troy Hawkins. <laughs> that is correct. It is Frank Viola Troy Hawkins. <laughs> so Virtuoso was a clue. Virtuoso was a clue because for the for the three time that he was All Star and a Cy Young winner, Frank Viola was always called Sweet Music. Well done. That's a very well written question there, Matt. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to how low can you go? Same thing as normal. We got five different hints to an answer, and we're going to go 10 points after the first hint, eight points after the second, six, four, and then two at the, after the fifth hint. Okay? So the first how low can you go is who am I? Hint number one, I was born in Santa Domingo, Dominican Republic. There's only one player I can think of from the Dominican Republic. <laughs> right? There's only one. Especially from Santo Domingo. Isn't half the league from the Dominican Republic? <laughs> okay, maybe maybe the second one will get it for you, Josh. Should I go on to the second hint? Yeah, I need another clue. All right, we'll take another clue. Hint number two, or clue number two. I was initially signed by the Mariners and assigned to their single-A team, the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. There... I would learn to love the Green Bay Packers, a devotion that I hold lifelong into this day. I thought this was a twins round. I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. That literally means nothing. Actually, I think I, think I have an idea, guys. Uh, we do too. All right. Well, I'm, I, I can't let them get ahead, so I'm going to check in, I guess. Okay. So are you both checking in? We are. Okay. So I, I initially sent a chat to Eric. I said, I'm pretty sure it's David Ortiz. I remember him being in the Mariner system. Yeah, I vaguely remember hearing about that from the, the Mariner series. I think they mentioned that briefly because they had a bunch of people that went through their system but never played for him. Yeah, we're checked in with uh, David Ortiz. Okay. Josh, what are you checking in with? I am also checking in with Big Poppy, David Ortiz. Clue number three was I was uh, one of the Mariners' most impressive prospects but was traded to the Twins in order to fulfill an earlier trade that needed a player to be named later. Clue number four was, in, in 2002, as a part of the Twins uh, playoff roster, I pinch hit at DH in game five in the top of the ninth inning. In that at-bat, I drove in what would become the division series winning run. In 2002, I was released by the brilliant Twins front office and picked up by the Boston Red Sox, where I went on to win three World Series, play in 10 All-Star games, be an ALCS MVP, uh, World Series MVP, and almost certainly a lock for Cooperstown. The answer is Big Poppy himself, David Ortiz. All right, and uh, question number, will this be six, is what am I? Clue number one, I started on a warmer-than-usual October day in the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome at 2.46 p.m., you guys going to need another clue? Yeah, I do. All right. Mason, Scott, Eric? Probably take another one, right, guys? I mean, yeah. 
That's fine. All right. Clue number two. Twins ace, Frankie Sweet Music Viola, started me, but the win for that game went to the closer, Jeff Reardon. I'll check in. All right. Joss has checked in, so Mason, Scott, and Eric, you guys can talk it out. I got nothing. I mean, it's got it's obviously a memorable game. They had like, did they have like a really like extra innings, one nothing big like playoff win or something? You know what? The closer Jeff Reardon got the save, so like that would make you think it's either it's a walk off, is it Kirby Puckett's walk off in Game Six? Yes, I think it is, right? Yeah, was it Game Six of the '87 series? No, it's '91. No, '91. '91. Yeah, '91. Let's go with it. Mason, what do you think? Your guess is as good as mine. I trust you on this one. Actually, our guess is better than yours because you don't have one. You're saying game six of, of the 1991 World Series? Okay, uh, so they're checked in with that. Josh, what did you check in with? So uh, Viola was not on the team in 91. He got traded in 88 to the Mets. But I do believe this would be game seven of the 1987 World Series. Is that the one with the um, where, what's his name, pitched like into the ninth inning? Nope, that was also 91 when Jack Morris pitched okay. 10 innings. Yeah. So Viola was the ace on the 87 team. Morris was the ace on the 91 team. Okay. So let me go through the rest of these here because uh, I might have some frustration here. So let me go through the rest. Oh, great. Game two of me was started by Twins Hall of Famer, but for the other team. Oh, it's a playoff series. Okay. Hit number four was my MVP was the Twins third baseman, Gary Gaetti, who get, who batted 300 with two home runs, 15 total bases, and five RBIs. And hit five was winning me allowed the Twins to move on and face the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1987 World Series. So the answer is the 1987 ALCS. Because game two was started by uh, Blackjack Morris of the Detroit Tigers. Okay, I'm pretty sure you'll get these next two, I hope. So here, let's go. Question number seven, back to the easy ones, hopefully, or the just simple question and answer, none of the other stuff. In 1993, the Twins had back-to-back first-round draft picks at number 20 and 21. With number 21, they chose catcher Jason Veritek, who decided to return to his senior year of college. What member of the Soul Patrol did the Twins select with pick number 20 to patrol center field. Checked in. Got to be Torrey Hunter, right, guys? That's my guess. Would he make it that easy? Yeah, he said these were easier and the time frame fits. Okay. Center field for the – I mean, he did that for them for, you know. What's the Soul Patrol have to do with anything? I think that's the nickname of their outfield at one point. Was it? I, I don't know. I think so. I think it's got to be Torrey Hunter based on the All time right. frame. Let's go with it. All right, Josh, then what are you checking in with? Well, I also checked in with Torrey Hunter. That's right. The answer is Torrey Hunter. The 2001 Twins outfield featured Torrey at center with Jock Jones in left and Matt Lawson at right. The nickname Soul Patrol was given to them uh, by longtime Twins beat writer for the Minneapolis Star Tribune, Lavelle E. Neal. All right, last question. In the offseason of 2019, to fill their gap at second base, they went out and got Jonathan Scope on the cheap after a disappointing 2018 year with Baltimore and Milwaukee. But in May, the Twins called up this man from Rochester, after he, and after that, he batted 334 in 92 games. I think they found their second baseman of the future. Checked in. Josh is checked in. Go ahead and talk it out, guys. This is all you, Scott. So 
Polanco's the shortstop. Jorge Polanco. Cause it, it can't be him because he played more than 92 games. Is it uh, Luis Arias? I know he's a guy on that team. Apparently, he hit over 300 last year. He didn't play the whole season. Go with it. I know he's someone they have high hopes for. I think his first name's Luis. I guess we could just check in with Arias. Let's go with that. Sure. Uh, but I think it's Arias. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's A-R-R-A-E-Z. I recognize the name. I'm good with that. All right, we're going to check in with uh, Arias. I don't know if that's how you say it. So you guys are going to check in with Luis Arias? And Josh, what did you check in with? Well, I can't roll my R's, but it absolutely is Luis Arise. That is correct. Uh, Luis Arise showed his versatility throughout the year, uh, playing quite a few different positions, uh, but his range, strong arm, makes him uh, the ideal middle infielder for his, uh, as his natural position. So he actually never played outfield in his entire baseball career ever and he started multiple games in both left and right field for the twins last year and actually did pretty well so so after twins trivia we have the following scores matt as the host of the second is trailing currently with 30 points mason is now on the board with 58 points both scott and myself uh, have 88 points and eric is still leading the way with 138 points I'm kind of upset that I let Eric to some points there. I probably should have sabotaged him a little bit to make it easier for us later. Damn it. So it is now time for the New Orleans Saints trivia given by Scott. All right. Question one. Ironically, New Orleans was awarded an NFL expansion team on November 1st, which just happens to be All Saints Day. In what year did this happen? I'm going to go ahead and check in. Right. Mason has checked in. Hold on a second. I know this. So Jim Taylor, Packers running back, signed with the Saints for their first season in 1967. So then they must have been awarded either in November of 66 or November of 65. But I wouldn't think they would give them almost two years full. I have a feeling it's probably November of 66. That's what I would think. I wouldn't think it'd be more than a year's worth back. Because Super Super Bowl II did not feature Horning and Taylor. It featured other running backs, and that was 1967. So. I'd be cool with 66. Thank you. (laughs) I'm here for something. (laughs) All right. So the challengers here are checking in with 1966. Uh, Mason, what was your answer? Well, I was just double checking uh, that I had the years right. But the Saints first season was 1967. So I had to figure they would get their expansion the year before. So I had 1966 as well. And both teams are correct. It was on All Saints Day, November 1st, 1966. Nice job, Matt. I, I pull my weight once in a while. I'm a big guy. All right. On to question two. In what year did the Saints finally make their first playoff appearance? Let me go ahead and check in. Checked in. You guys can talk it out. Yeah. Weren't they like really bad for a long time? It was, it was a while. They were like the laughing stock, I remember. I want to say that it was a 1983 because that was a strike-shortened season and I thought a lot of wacky teams made the playoffs because they had a lot of guys who crossed over the lines. I'm pretty sure the Redskins made or won the Super Bowl that year, but I remember the Packers went to the playoffs also. I thought it was close to 20 years. 87, if their first season was 67. 86, 87, 87. Yeah. 
I remember, I vaguely remember twenty some twenty years or twenty one years. That uh, the twenty year thing sounds familiar. Because I remember there was a uh, one of those top ten on NFL networks with like the worst teams of all time, and they would pick a specific year. And they, I remember they said like the first twenty years of the Saints, it was it was hard to pick which team to put on there. Um, so that's why I they showed like their their highlight shelf, and there was like one like videotape on there. Eighty seven. I like eighty seven. I'm I'm okay with going with that. Eighty seven was that the year the Vikings? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Eighty seven. The Vikings had a they had a really good team. Eighty seven was that the was that one of the strike was that the strike shortened season that they? I think so. It was the year they lost in the NFC Championship game that Disco Darren Nelson didn't catch that pass. I think the Vikings beat the Saints to go to the NFC Championship game in eighty seven. We're gonna check in with nineteen eighty seven. I like it. All right, you guys are checked in with 1987. Mason, what was your answer? Um, I was just trying to make sure I had my Saints playoff years right um, because they didn't win the division when they first made it. They were a wild card, and they lost. They got blown out by the Vikings because I remember we have a ton of Vikings playoff losses. Hurts so bad. Um, but I was trying to remember what year in the 80s it was, and I'm pretty. I was pretty sure it was 1987. So that's what I went with. The correct answer is 1987. Nice. Good job, guys. Yeah, that's, that's a good use of the uh, talking it out right there. Okay, haven't stumped anyone yet. Question number three. When the Saints traded all-pro tight end Jimmy Graham to the Seahawks, they received a first-round pick and what offensive lineman in return? I'll go ahead and check in. Mason has checked in in record time. i got to imagine Eric probably knows this answer. Yeah, it's a tight end question. It is. It's, it's not, though. <laughs> you gave me the tight end. In the- <laughs> so an offensive lineman for the Saints and would have been, what year was that? Would have been 14? Around there, roughly. Is that right, Eric? About 14-ish or so, or 15? I mean, how many? So th- he was on the Packers for two seasons? Yeah, so he was signed in 18. How many seasons was he with Seattle? Three, roughly? At least three, maybe four. So we're talking five or six years ago? Two. Two? He was only in Seattle for two years? No, 15, 16. And did he, he was injured a lot. So 17 maybe, too? Because then 18, 19, he was with the Packers. Yeah, mm-hmm. makes sense. All right. So then the question is, is who would have been on the Seattle's offensive line in 2015 that they would have traded? That would have been Jimmy Graham level. Well, I mean, they got a first-round pick and an offensive lineman. So oh. it's like... So would have, I think it would have been either a tackle or a center. It's a center. It's a center. Unger? Max Unger? Yes, yes. No, that's it. That's it. No, that's it. That's it. 100% that's it. All right, we're going to check in with Max Unger. All right. The challengers in this round have checked in with Max Unger. Mason, what was your record time answer here? They backed their way into this one. Yeah, it's... uh. He played for a couple of years. I think he made a Pro Bowl, and he he was hurt for a little bit. And I think he just retired the year before last. I checked in with Max Unger. Bomb back on his weight. The correct answer is Max Unger. Yay! Well, as soon as he said center, it just it clicked with Max Unger. Yeah. Hey, we teamworked our way into it. Yay! Teamwork brought to you by the whatever we're called. 
Seattle didn't really have many good offensive linemen. That's probably the only good one that they had. Oh, they should not have traded him. That mm-hmm. was ridiculous. Oh, terrible decision, but I'm happy for it. I don't remember what the first round pick turned into, but that doesn't matter. Jimmy Graham has been atrocious. He's been pretty bad since he left. Actually, the first round pick they they blew it too. So was that Stephon Anthony? Yeah. Question number four. He accumulated over 800 all-purpose yards in five different seasons for the Saints, but never made a single Pro Bowl. Oh, I think we know this, don't you, Josh and Eric? I might just, you know, wait till, you know, Mason does his. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I have a couple names in my head. I, I'm not 100% certain about this, but I think it's the best I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and check in. Hey, Mason has checked in. So, Matt, what you thinking? I think it's Darren Sproles. No. No? Sproles was only there for like two or three years. Oh. Um, my gut was Reggie Bush. Oh, Reggie Bush. That's probably it. Yeah. I'm cool. I'm good with I'm good with Reggie Bush. I'm good with that too. All right. We're checking in with Reggie Bush. The three headed monster has checked in with Reggie Bush. Mason, what was your answer? Uh, I went through a similar process. I thought of Sproles first just because I know he did a lot of stuff, but I think he only played maybe three years at the most. And I was trying to think of someone that would have played for five seasons and then kind of either fell off a cliff or went somewhere else. And I think he went to Miami after that or Detroit, one of those stops where he wasn't good. Uh, But I checked in with Reggie Bush as well. Both teams checked in with Reggie Bush. And unfortunately, neither team will be awarded points for this one. Really? Oh, answer is Pierre Thomas. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He actually played on the same teams, him and Bush primarily. So. Yep, they're all together, the Super Bowl run. Question number five. In 1999, the Saints famously traded their entire draft plus additional future picks to select running back Ricky Williams. For how many seasons did Williams play in a Saints uniform? I have a range, and i got to figure out exactly how many. I'm going to take a coin flip here. I'll check in. All right, Mason has checked in. Eric, I was thinking it was, it was not more than six. No, it was he didn't make it really out of that first contract. Yeah, I would say four, maybe five. Did he make four? I don't think he made four. Oh, really? They got they they got him out pretty quick. So you want to say three? Three makes sense. Four does too. I think it's either three or four. Yeah, I like three, but four, like I said, four makes sense too. So you want to say you want to say three years? Yeah. So if he, I think his career was about ten, and I want to say the Dolphins started maybe in oh two. So that would be 99, 2000, 2001. So three, three makes sense. Josh, do you have a different opinion? I'm okay with three. That sounds about right. I, I'd, I'd be fine with three. Say we check in with three. All right. And Mason, what did you check in with? Well, I knew it wasn't more than four. Just I remember the time frame and then he left pretty quickly. And I was between two and three and two just didn't seem right. It seemed kind of short. Um, so I checked in with three. Both teams have checked in with three. So Williams was traded to the Dolphins for four draft picks, two of them being first rounders, in 2001 after three seasons with the Saints. Points all around. Good job, Eric. Thank Madden for that. Question number six. Interestingly enough, all but one game over the last 20 seasons features a Saints starting quarterback whose last name started with the letter B. We have Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, Jeff Blake, Aaron Brooks, Mark Brunel, and Todd Bauman. Who is the only quarterback whose last name did not start with the letter B to start a game for the franchise since the year 2000? That's a good question. (laughs) 
I did not even realize that fact, but that's really interesting. I had a different question. I'm looking up all the starters and I'm like, every freaking name starts with a B here. Like this might be something. And it's like turning into a question. It'll get broken when Jameis Winston starts one <laughs> or Taysom Hill. Oh, you know what? I just, I just remembered. I think I know who it is. I'm gonna go ahead and check in. Okay. Mason has checked in. You guys can uh, talk it out. It was one of the McCown brothers, but I can't remember which one. We need the first name. No, no, we don't need the first name. I'll take the last name. It's fine. Maybe that's wrong then. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. I thought I was right. <laughs> oh, last name is fine with me. <laughs> well, just out of curiosity, Eric, what are the two? I know there's Luke is one of them. What's the other one's name? Josh. Luke was the backup, more of a backup. Josh actually bounced around. Well, he's still, isn't Josh McCown still in the league? I think he was still in the league, yeah, last year. Still in the league. Unless you would think of somebody else, guys, I'm pretty sure it was one of the McCown brothers. Uh, let's go with it. I'm good with it. Makes sense. If he's fine with McCown, I'm fine with that. We're going to go with uh, Lucky McCown. <laughs> All right. The checked-in answer was McCown. Mason, what did you check in with? All right. Well, I had to go back, and I remember, I think Drew Brees hurt his like, rotator cuff or something. He was out for a game. Um, and I remember he was a backup quarterback because he did a Verizon commercial for some reason uh, in a Saints uniform, and that is Luke McCown. Yeah, like we said, Lukey McCown. <laughs> <laughs> nice job there, guys. The correct answer is Luke McCown. On to question number seven. In 2014, the Saints decided to spread their wings and bolster their secondary, signing what three-time Pro Bowler to a six-year, $56 million deal? Yeah, we got it. We'll check in. Not your turn. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. Nobody sent me a chat. I get why you didn't, but still. <laughs> Man, I'm between two right now. Man. Oh, oh. I'm going to go ahead and check in. Okay. Mason has checked in. Uh, Mason, one, you can go first on this one. What did you uh, check in with? Well, I knew there were a couple of Saints secondary signings that didn't pan out at the time. Um, first, I went to Brandon Browner because I know he committed an atrocious number of penalties for the Saints and had a pretty sizable contract. Um, but spread my spread your wings was the clue there because his last name would be appropriate for that. I went with uh, Jarius Bird. Okay, Mason has checked in with Jarius Bird. What did you guys check in with? I didn't know his first name. All I knew was that when you said spread your wings, I knew there was a bunch of NFL players or a handful of them where last name was Bird. So I said Bird over to Eric, and he said, yes, Bird. So I don't know if his first name is uh, Jarius or Ladarius or Jamarius. I don't know, but Bird, yeah. Yeah, I figured I'd throw a clue in there uh, to make it a little bit easier to get. Uh, spread their wings was indeed the clue. The correct answer is Jarius Bird. The eighth and final question is, in the sixth round of the 2000 NFL draft, the Saints selected a quarterback. This player went on to throw for over 22,000 yards and 100 touchdowns in his career, making two Pro Bowls along the way. Who was this quarterback that was taken 31 picks before Tom Brady? I'll go ahead and check in. We can check it if you want. I already I have it. Okay. No, I figured you did. I figured we don't need to talk about it. No, I mean, if you want to talk about it, we can talk about Mark Mark Bulger. Mark, Mark Bulger all you want. I mean, he, he was great. Um, played for the Rams for a while. Sure did. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're checking in with Mark Bulger. Okay. The uh, bad guys in this round have checked in with Mark Bulger. Mason, what was your answer? 
Yeah, I was I was literally going through all the the six before Tom Brady, and I I don't think he ever played for the Saints, or if he did, he played for a very brief time. Um, but I also checked in with Mark Bolger. He was actually cut during the preseason. Never played with them. The correct answer is Mark Bolger. He throws one of the prettiest balls. He was a decent. He was pretty good. He was. He was really good. He didn't get a lot of. He didn't get a lot of credit, but you know, he was. He's pretty good. So after Saints trivia, we have the following scores. Scott is currently at 88 points. Matt is currently at 100 points. Mason at 128. Obviously, those three have already asked their questions. They get to do nothing but gain points from here on out. Uh, Josh, myself, is at 158. And Eric eclipsed the 200-point mark with 208. It is now time for Green Bay Packers trivia given by myself. Question one, a little pre and post game to start off the round. What Hall of Fame offensive lineman who would also go on to coach the Packers led the Packers in receiving yards from 2008 to 2010? Am I going to stump Matt on the first question? No, I just, I can't think of his last name. All right, yeah, I think I got it. I'll go ahead and check in. Matt has checked in. All right, trio, what you got? You guys can talk it out. Less than less than nothing. It's Donald Driver. Greg Jennings is the receiver, right? It's, it's got to be 2008, 2010. I'm, I'm leaning toward Greg Jennings just because I know he was more pro. I think he was more prolific at the time. Well, that would have been towards the end of Driver's run there, and like kind of in the middle, because I think Greg Jennings came out in like 05 ish. In 2010 was their Super Bowl run, and I remember him being a good part of that team. So I'm leaning towards that, but I don't know anyone with the last name Greg. So we're looking at, right, an O-lineman who also coached there, whose last name could be Greg or have Greg in it or could have Donald in it if it is driver. So McDonald or... That seems more likely than Greg, but I just... Yeah, Eric asked me, like, how many Packers coaches can you name? And I can only name, you know, Lombardi and then, you know, the ones I was alive for, Mike Holmgren, Mike McCarthy, Mike Sherman, you know, the Mikes. And it's got to be it's got to be Greg Jennings then, right? You would think. If I had to pick between the two, I'm thinking it's Greg Jennings. I can't really think of any other Packers coach. I think Ray Rhodes might have coached the Packers at some point, but he, again, that doesn't help. So it could have been someone on the Super Bowl teams and then coached in like the 70s or 80s. That's like a blind spot for me with Green Bay, like, you know. Yeah. After Star before Favre is all <laughs> Between Star and Favre is kind of dark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the forgotten years of the Packers. Yeah. Forgotten decades. There's a lineman named Greg from the Packers. I don't know his first name. Well, that would be what we need. And and it's not a common first name. So I don't think it's something we'd be able to stumble upon. I don't think it's going to be like that one Josh and I backed into just by thinking of somebody born in the 40s. John Brody. <laughs> Mason, what's your dad's name? I don't think many people have my dad's name. It's Mackie. Oh, there it is. Mackie Greg <laughs> Jennings. <laughs> yeah. Let's... All right. Shout out to my dad. I hope you're right. All right. So the trio is checking in with Mackie Greg Jennings. And Matt, what do you got? And, and it, it is spelled differently. Uh, his last name is spelled with two G's and Greg Jennings is with one G. And the Greg Jennings part was the hard part for me. I was sitting there going like, ah, oh, his Greg is number 85. He played for the Packers for like eight years, went to the Vikings. What in the hell is his last name? Oh, my God. 
but the uh, coach from the for the Packers from I think 1984 to 1987 was Forrest Gregg. So the uh, so the answer is Forrest Gregg Jennings. One person will be receiving points. The correct answer is Forrest Gregg Jennings. Are we sure he didn't go by Mackey? <laughs> Give his middle name. <laughs> uh, Forrest was 25-37-1 as head coach of the Packers, as Matt said, from 1984 to 1987. Uh, Jennings had 3,670 receiving yards over those three seasons. Forrest Gregg was an acolyte of uh, Lombardi, and he was a hard coach, very hard on his guys. They had really good teams back then, and they might have been pretty good, but they were the perennial, you know, seven and seven or seven and nine at that time. You know, good enough to not get a good draft pick, but bad enough to not make the playoffs. Moving on to question two. Well, Matt likes to remind us that the Packers have won 13 championships between NFL and Super Bowl. My question to you is, how many times have the Packers lost in the championship game, both NFL championship and Super Bowl eras? Yeah, I'm going to check in. Matt has checked in. All right, Trio, you guys can talk it out. We have the obvious two, we know. Elway and the Broncos and then the Steelers. So my my thought would be maybe just those two. I'm trying to think one else they could have lost, really. It would have had to have been way, way back. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. The only other two times they went, they won. The first two. I don't know. I keep thinking. I just want to. I just want to go with those two. I'm. I'm fine with that. That m- might be the case. They, so that means they would have won what? They would have won all of the NFL championships they've been in. Right? Maybe. Could be. I don't. I mean, other than that, it, it's whatever. I. Those are the only two we know for sure. So let's. Yeah, that's fine. Let's just do it. We're gonna uh, check in with two. Hey, the trio's checked in with two. Matt, uh, what do you got for an answer? Do you want to correct them on one of their things they're not correct on? Yeah, you guys said they lost to the Steelers. They didn't lose to the Steelers in a Super Bowl. They beat the Steelers in 2010. And they lost to the Broncos in the 97 Super Bowl. Would have been the 97 year. The 1998 would have been the Super Bowl. Yeah. They lost the 1960 or 61 NFL championship game to the Eagles. I'm pretty sure they lost a championship game in like 44, 45, or 46 to the Giants. So I checked in with three. The correct answer is three. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, your year on losing to the Giants was not correct. Okay. It was 1938. Okay. They lost to the Giants 23 to 17. They did lose to the Eagles in 1960, 17 to 13. And of course, they lost in nineteen, you know, the nineteen ninety seven season to the Denver Broncos, thirty one to twenty four. I'm surprised you didn't know the year spot on for nineteen thirty eight, right in your wheelhouse. You know, the first, uh, the first eight or nine years of the NFL, they didn't go play a championship game. So I'm going to guess nineteen thirty eight must have been one of the first years, somewhere maybe in the top three or four years or so that they played a championship game. Okay, question three. The Packers have retired six players' numbers. Name four of these players. I've checked in, yes. Trio, do it up. Mason, what are you thinking? Okay, Favre, obvious. Bart Starr, Ray Nitschke, uh, Don Hudson, we talked about him earlier. Maybe Reggie White. How how sure are you about Hudson? He was, I mean, he was a pretty dominant receiver, I would think. 
if you're gonna retire. Okay. Well, I mean, we got five. I mean, we can we can cut Hudson and go with Favre, Star, Nitschke, and Reggie White. I say we do that. Yeah. Okay, so the trio is checking in with Favre, Star, Nitschke, and White. Correct. Yes. All right, Matt, give me your four, and then if you want, try to give me the other two. Yeah, they're so they got me thinking here. One of the names that I wrote because I wrote down six, and I'm now just picking the four that I'm going to go with. But I mean, they're all I had all those names. So number fourteen, Don Hudson. Number four, Brett Favre. Number fifteen, Bart Starr. And number three, Tony Canadio. Those are the four I'm going with. Okay, so you're checking in with Tony Canadio, Brett Favre. Don Hudson and Bart Starr, is that what you said, right? Correct, yes. Okay, can you give me the other two? I don't think he had a number consistently because he played multiple times because he took some time off for the Korean War, but I'm pretty sure Johnny Blood McNally is up there with number... I don't need the number, I just need names. can't remember what number he was. And then I don't think they retired 92 for Reggie. I'm pretty sure they retired 66 for Ray Nitschke, so Ray Nitschke. Okay, so Matt, you successfully gave me five correct answers. And the trio also gave me five correct answers. He gave Canadio, you guys gave White. So Tony Canadio, number three. Brett Favre, number four. Don Hudson, number 14. Bart Starr, number 15. Ray Nitschke, number 66. And Reggie White, number 92. Good job, guys. You are all getting points. I'm pretty sure Johnny Blood McNally is. I'm, I thought he had his number retired, but I couldn't remember what number he was. I've seen it so many times. So, Per football reference, no. Okay. Question four. Only one time has a Packers wide receiver finished a season with more than 1,500 yards receiving. Name him. Okay. I'm checked in. All right, Matt's checked in. Trio, you guys can talk it out. So my first guess was Javon Walker, but I don't – the more I think about it, I don't think he hit 15. 15 a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But then I remember Jordy Nelson. That's one of the names I had on my short list. Yeah, my short list was Freeman, Javon Walker, and Jordy Nelson. I had Devontae Adams too, but I don't think he got there. I don't think he has. He doesn't play full seasons. Yeah. I just, I just was thinking of Packer receivers that were, you know, primary receivers that might have gotten there. Pretty sure, just based on my, the, my, all the fantasy magazines I've re- read, Jordy Nelson makes the most sense. I like Jordy, too, because he was such a deep threat. I mean, you know, he was catching, you know, consistently catching like 20, 25-yard passes. You know, that adds up a lot. Yeah. I say we, we go with Jordy. I'm, I'm good with that. All right. The trio's checking in with Jordy Nelson. Matt Doherty, what you got for an answer? So that uh, Javon Walker does make sense. That one might be right. All those other guys had complimentary receivers that all caught a lot of yardage. I think it was the 1985 team, and I believe his name was James Lofton with Mr. Uh, Lynn Dickey as a quarterback. So Matt is going with James Lofton. The correct answer is Jordy Nelson. Ah. In 2014, he had 1,519 receiving yards. Uh, They've had three other players who caught more than 1,400. Uh, Sterling Sharp did it twice. Antonio Freeman did it once. 
and Robert Brooks was three yards away from 1,500 in 1995. I forgot he was a guy. I forgot. <laughs> dude, it was it, Antonio Freeman and Robert Brooks all day, and Mark Chimura all day for Favre. I forgot about uh, Sterling Sharp, man. Jeez. James Lofton's uh, best single season was 1984, where he had 1,361 yards. Ah, okay. Question five. What AFC West team derailed the 2011 Packers' attempt at a perfect regular season by defeating them in a Week 15 game? I'm checked in. Matt's checked in. Trio. Yeah, it's uh, it was the Romeo Cornell-led Kansas City Chiefs. I'm pretty pretty confident on that. Like I remember watching that game. Yeah, and I was like, how are, the Chiefs are bad, right? And I was like, how are they beating them? We know Brody Croyle wasn't the starter. Yeah. It wasn't Matt Castle? Yeah, I think it was Matt Castle at the time. But I remember watching that game. I was like, I can't believe that they're blowing this game. But I'm 99% sure it's the Chiefs. Sounds good. You guys checking in with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, we'll check them with that. All right, Matt, your answer is? Yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs. The correct answer is the Kansas City Chiefs. They won 19-14 to at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, the Packers would finish the season 15-1 and one and go on to lose to the New York Giants in the divisional round of the playoffs. Moving on to question number six. The Packers have drafted 12 players who went on to be elected into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. One was drafted first overall, the earliest in the draft for a Packer Hall of Famer, and one was drafted 200th overall, the latest in the draft for a Packer Hall of Famer. Name either of these Hall of Famers. I'm checked in. Matt is checked in. Trio, you guys can talk it out. Okay, so I'm only going to be useful if it's like 80s and on probably. So is there anyone relatively recent that has gone in that was primarily a Packer? I mean, Sterling Sharp didn't make it, did he? I don't think so. I don't think so. When was Reggie White drafted? Like where in the draft? I mean, not like what year. I don't think it was 200th. That's That's what my thought, but he was already a... It's already an answer. I don't think he'd do that. True. Good point. So okay, so two hundredth would be what sixth round. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any guys in the nineties. It could be earlier, and it could have been like a later round pick. If it was like one of the earlier teams, it could have been like a tenth round pick or something. You know, with right. I can't think of anybody they drafted number one overall. No, I can't either. I mean, Don Mikowski. He went to Hall of Fame. I don't even know what that name is. No, no, exactly, exactly. Well, all right, so let's do this. So QBs for the play for the Packers in the Hall of Fame? Star. Favre. No, you know, neither of them. It could have been Bart Starr. I mean, that's not out of the question. He could have been – if it was, when he was drafted back then, it could have he could have very well been either one of those. I don't think he was first overall. But he- uh, running backs, the Packers in the Hall of Fame. I don't think Dorsey Levin's quite made it. So Who was that, who was that one you, you sent me in the, in the chat for the previous question, Scott? Paul Horning? Yeah. He might have went. I think he went number one. I think he did, too. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, right? I'm pretty sure about that. Oh, yeah. If he's, we, That would be it. Go with it. Well, I'm good with that. Cool. We're going to check in with uh, Paul, Paul Horning. All right. So the trio's checking with Paul Horning. Uh, what do you got for an answer? Yep. 1958 Notre Dame. Paul Horning was the number one overall pick. I'm pretty sure the other one, though, I'm going to go with Paul Horning as my official answer, but I'm pretty sure the other one drafted in the 
either the 15th or the 17th round out of Alabama was Bart Starr? The correct answers are Paul Horning, who was first round, first overall in 1957. Oh, seven. And Bart Starr, who was drafted in the 17th round, 200th overall in 1956. Oh, the year before. Okay. Yep. So you guys both got it with the Paul Horning. All right, moving on. Number seven. What Packers coach has the greatest win-loss percentage in Packers history? Yeah, I hate it. I'm going to, I'll lock in, sure. Matt is checked in. Trio, what you got? So I think we all agree, right? Yeah. He didn't put a, a, a you know, the head to have coached so many games, so. 13-3 this last year. Yeah. That's an, what I figure is it's an 8-12 winning percentage. I don't oh, think anybody can beat that. Gotta be kidding me. Come on. We're going to check in with Matt LaFleur. <laughs> the trio has checked in with Matt LaFleur. You just kicked Matt's dog. That's basically what you did. Matt, <laughs> what you got for an answer? <laughs> yeah, I said Vince Lombardi. He didn't have a losing season, so screw you guys. Neither did Matt LaFleur. The correct answer is Matt LaFleur. He has an 813 winning percentage. He was 13. He is 13 and 3 as a Packers coach. Vince Lombardi is currently second with a 754 uh, winning percentage. He was 89, 29, and 4. Okay, so moving on to the, the final question. In 1989, what offensive lineman was selected second overall by the Packers? directly ahead of Hall of Famers, Barry Sanders, Derek Brooks, and Deion Sanders. I'm checked in. Uh, we can check in, guys. Yep. All right, Trio, what you got for an answer? It's the, uh, the incredible bulk, Tony Mandarich. All right, the Trio's checked in with Tony Mandarich and Matt. Yeah, the pride of Michigan State, who went on to actually have a pretty decent career with the Colts after he flamed out with the Packers, Tony Mandarich. And the correct answer is Tony Mandrich. Uh, Hall of Famer Steve Atwater was also selected in the first round, uh, 20th overall in the same draft. Now, in the Packers' defense, Mandrich was considered one of the best ever prospects for an offensive lineman. He just turned out not to be quite that. And it just, when I saw the three that were selected right after him, it's like, ouch. Yeah. Well, he was he was all roided out too, so that was yeah. My brother still has his uh, number seventy-seven Tony Mandrich jersey from when he was however old, fourteen years old. So, after the Packer trivia, we have the following scores: uh, we have Scott with one forty-eight, we have myself with one fifty-eight, we have Matt with one sixty, Mason with one eighty-eight, and Eric who can still be caught if Mason gets all the points as, a, as part of the trio at 268. So we still could have a tie, but Mason is the only one that can possibly catch Eric. It is now time for the Orlando Magic Trivia given by Eric. All right, guys. So, you know, writing these questions, I'm a Magic fan myself. So this is, I tried not to go too hard. So let's let's see how we do. I'm not a Magic fan. I just strategically picked a team where I was alive during their entire existence. <laughs> All right. Question one. The Magic have had a fair amount of lottery picks in their history. However, they've only had one pick that was number two overall. 
what guard did they take that only spent three seasons with the team before being traded? I can check in. All right, Scott's checked in. Mason, talk it out to yourself. All right, I can think of guards that went first. No, I don't know any second. Penny Hardaway was first. He was first overall? Yeah, he was first. The only guard I know that played with the Magic was Scotty Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> he was not second overall. Nick Anderson, but he played for more than three seasons with the Magic. And he might have been a forward. Yeah, I consider him a small forward. I wonder if it's somebody more recent. All right. Uh, Jameer Nelson wasn't second overall. I'm just trying to think of Magic guards at this point. And, yeah. Um. Are we sure it's not Jimmer for dead? He was drafted by the Kings. Goodness, no. All right. What about uh, how long did JJ Redick play for the Magic? Because he was drafted by them. Um, I don't know how long he would have been. Would have he been second? He might have been second overall, possibly. Mm, uh, no. Now that I'm thinking about it, second overall, what year would that? That would have been. So he's like 35 now because he's playing for the Pelicans. So he's. Maybe he's not 35, but he's around that age. He's old. So 15 years ago, maybe. So 2005, 2006 draft. That's Bargnani. I don't think he was second. Or Bogut. I don't think he was second. Um, oh, wait. Let me think. Was that he was drafted by the Magic? Was he second overall? Maybe he was. Well, give us a name and we'll think uh, about it. Well, I'm, try- I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, him. Uh, Victor Oladipo came into my head because he went to the oh the Pacers, I think, after that. Or not the Pacers. Uh, we played for the Pacers, but I don't know where. He, he he was there for a couple seasons and then left. I think you might be onto something. That He could have been second overall. And he did. He had a rough start to his career. Yeah. you. I think you might have landed on it because he was drafted high. I was just trying to think of guards at that time. I, he was there for... A couple seasons. I don't remember him necessarily with the Magic, but I do believe he was a second overall pick. Well, I, I remember him playing for the Magic. If you think Oladipo is the number two pick, I'm pretty sure he play, he played for the Magic for sure. I'm pretty sure he was the number two overall pick. Matt, what you got? You got anything Dad? Oh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Were we talking about Derek Bugard? What now? Matt contributing as usual. Thank you. I said <laughs> Scotty Brooks. Come on. <laughs> I think we should go with Oladipo. Mason, go ahead. You check that in. You came up with it. So. All, right. All right. We'll check in with Victor Oladipo. All right. And Scott, what's your answer? It's Victor Oladipo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Both teams are getting points. Uh, 2013 draft, Victor Oladipo was uh, taken second overall by the Magic. Um, it's actually one of the most memorable drafts to me because the first overall pick, when it was announced, you just heard shock on the broadcast, like somebody's like, what? Yeah. Anthony Bennett. You know, everyone knows Anthony oh, Bennett. Oh, yeah. Great Timberwolf <laughs> Anthony Bennett. <laughs> yes, oh, right. he was terrible. That draft was terrible. I'm sorry, what year was this again? 2013. Way after your time. When did the yeah. Wolves have a number one overall pick? No, no, no. They got back-to-back number one draft picks. Where is it back-to-back? Yeah. 13 and 14? In Cleveland. When they traded Kevin Love, because they got Anthony Bennett and... And what's his name that we just traded away who is terrible? Wiggins. Wig, Andrew Wiggins. But he was a number one overall pick? Yes. Both of them were number one overall picks. That's how bad they were. You don't remember that. Pull that up on YouTube. The, the 2013 NBA draft number one overall pick announcement. When he, they announced Anthony Bennett, you hear somebody just say, what? There was like no consensus number one, but. All right. Question two. The Magic have drafted three players number one overall. Most no Shaq, Dwight Howard. Who is the other player drafted number one overall by the Magic who never played with them? 
I can check in. Never played. Then Penny wasn't a number one overall pick. Maybe not. I thought he was. I, Eric and I were shaking our heads no when you guys said that. Okay. He was high, but maybe he wasn't one. So somebody they drafted and traded right away. Well, you know, that, that happens. Okay. So who were number one picks in the starting, I guess, in the 90s? I don't know. I remember reading somewhere they had back-to-back number one picks. Was that around Shaq? I think it was. Okay. But I thought they had Shaq, and then the next year they got uh, Penny. No. Or did they trade? Did they trade and get Penny? They traded for Penny, but who did they? Penny Penny was that time because they traded him. That's that's why I got it confused. What year was that? Shaq was 92. So the 93 draft. 93, number one overall pick is what we're looking for here. Was that Weber? That would be right the right time for Fab Five. Yeah, maybe. Because that, that would have been in their run of the Fab Five. Weber makes sense. I mean, if those years are right, I think I'm right on Weber being the number one overall pick. Okay. If you want to go with Chris Weber, I'm good with that. It makes sense about the time period, so. We'll check in with Chris Weber. All right, checking in with Chris Weber. And Scott, what's your answer? It's Chris Weber. All right. The correct answer is Scotty Brooks. <laughs> um, no, it was Chris Weber. Weber was drafted by the Magic and traded to the Golden State Warriors in exchange for Penny Hardaway and three future first round picks. Yeah, big haul. Big haul. Well, Weber was, you know, super consensus number one. Right. Yeah. All right. Question three. This one's a little bit of a softball question. Some teams in the NBA have started putting ads on their jerseys. Goodyear in Cleveland, Harley Davidson in Milwaukee. What company do the Magic have on their jersey? I'll check in with what I hope it is. All right, Scott's checked in. It's got to be Disney, right? I can't imagine it being anything else. Than Disney? I mean, I can't. I mean, they play in what, Amway Center? But I doubt it's Amway. Yeah, and they're not going to double up on both the jersey and the name of the stadium. I think it has to be Disney, doesn't it? If if it's not, then Eric's lying about it being a softball question. So I say we check in. That's fine with me. We'll check in with uh, Disney. All right. And Scott? It's Disney. Scott's very excited to be here today. Um, correct answer is Disney. Um, started in 2017, 2018. They have about a three, I think it's a three-year agreement um, in this NBA you know, pilot program, testing out ads on the jerseys. All right, question four. The Magic have made it to the NBA Finals twice, losing both times. Once in the Shaq era and again in the Dwight Howard era. Name the two teams the Magic played in the Finals, and what was the total combined wins for the Magic in both series? I'll check in. It's the Rockets and Lakers, and they haven't won a game. You're saying they got swept in both? Yep. I'm pretty, I'm, I know the Rockets swept them. And they didn't win a game? I know they didn't win a game against the Rockets, so if I'm just trying to remember 09. They've been 09, 08, somewhere in that ballpark. Probably 09. I don't I don't think they got swept. They might have. I mean, very well could have, but I'm not sure. I thought they might have won one against the Lakers, but I mean I'm not even it's either zero or one. It wouldn't be more than one, I would think, just because if we're sure it's a sweep, they didn't push them to six. Your Lakers one, I don't know. The Rockets one, I am fairly confident on that one because, again, I'm going to say it again, sorry, there was an SB Nation about teams that have that went downhill and, you know, whatever. Are you getting paid to, to advertise these? or? <laughs> so we have a Hulu employee. We have an SB Nation employee. Goodness. <laughs> 
So unless there's a, unless they won one against the Lakers, I'm trying to remember. I I thought they did, but I if they very well could have been swept, and I feel like I feel like I would have heard if they both they got swept both times, but I I'm not sure. Uh, I personally would go with Matt's answer, but okay, I I'll trust you with it. I don't know for sure, but so we're gonna check in with the Rockets and Lakers and zero. All right, and Scott. Yeah, uh, this was the first one that I wasn't absolutely positive on. Um, I know they got swept at least once. I'm pretty sure they got swept both times. So I checked in with Rockets, Lakers, and zero wins. All right. Unfortunately, nobody getting points here. Was it four one with the for the Lakers? Rockets beat them four games to zero. Lakers four games to one. You know, as a Magic fan watching those series, they, they went down 2-0, and I'm like, it's happening again. It's happening again, but they managed to squeak out game three and then proceeded to lose the next two. I don't remember them squeaking that out at all. Wow. All right, question five. The Magic franchise has had five former players elected to the Basketball Hall of Fame. What slam dunk champion and what big man enter their Hall of Fame careers with the Magic? I need both players. I'll go ahead and check in. All right, Scott's checked in. Now I'm going to take a nap because I think this is going to take a while. I think the big man might be Robert Parrish. He played with the Magic? Really? He played with, like, every team towards the towards the end. And I just remember talking in a different episode that we were recording that Dan was saying that Robert Parrish had, like, the last four or five years of his career played for, a, like, a different team every year. But I don't – I might be wrong. I'm just throwing it out there. Slam, but let's go to the slam dunk champion, and then we'll move back to this one. All right, so what year did they start the slam dunk championship? <laughs> so you have, like, Jordan won. You have Wilkins won. Spud Webb won. Did Wilkins or Webb play for the Magic? I don't think Webb did. I, I don't know about Dominic Wilkins. I don't, I don't think Dominic played anywhere else but the Hawks. I think because he got injured, right? His career ended at the injuries, uh, right? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he played just there, but I don't know where he played. I mean, I'm thinking Hall of Famers. I'm, you know, we've had a whole slew of dunk champions who definitely aren't even thought of as Hall of Fame type people. Um, trying to think of big men because you know big men are sort of a dying breed almost these days. Probably would have played starting in the the earliest. It could have been in the 80s, obviously, if they ended their career with the Magic. Maybe maybe a seventies player, possibly, but probably so not. Probably eighties big men. To not maybe to nineties. Who are some eighties to nineties Hall of Fame big men? Patrick Ewing? No. Ooh. He definitely he definitely played beyond the Knicks. Yeah. He played for the Sonics. He finished with the Magic? I mean it's possible. Okay. What other big men in the eighties? I mean, because like Elijah Wan didn't he didn't play anywhere other than Houston, I don't think. Nope. Robinson didn't play anywhere other than the Spurs. Ewing Magic is like kind of clicking in my head, but I don't even know if that's... Well, see, the thing is, they could have played their last season with the Magic and... Yeah, like one-year contract. Yeah, the more I think about Patrick Ewing, I starting to think I remember him being... Although although maybe I'm thinking of him, was he an assistant coach with them? I'm fine with going with uh, Patrick Ewing for the big man. Okay. And then who do we got for the slam dunk champion? So, not Jordan. We don't know about Webb or Wilkins. You seemed confident Webb wasn't. I don't, is Webb in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Spud Webb's in the Hall of Fame. Probably not. Is Dominique Wilkins in the Hall of Fame? Dominique Wilkins has to be in the Hall of Fame. I would think so. 
I like Dominique Wilkins. So let's just go with Patrick Ewing and Dominique Wilkins. All right, Scott, and your answer. That was fun. Um, <laughs> I wanted to interject and like help you guys so much. Like when you guys were talking, like did Wilkins play anywhere else? Like he went to the Spurs, like in you know in the late nineties. Um, I um, felt pretty confident about Wilkins being the slam dunk champion. I remember him playing in Orlando, not for very long. Uh, so I did check in with Dominique Wilkins, and then you guys are going through the big men and all this, and you're like, Hakeem never played anywhere else. And it's like, well, yeah, he did. He spent his last season somewhere else. He did. Um, I'm not going to say where because I actually have it for a question. <laughs> well, time to go study that one up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the magic. Um, then I remembered Patrick Ewing playing for the Sonics. And I remember him being an assistant coach, Josh, on the okay, magic. Yeah. 1,000%. Okay. And that led me to believe that I think in 2001, uh, he did like suit up for them. I don't even think it was for a full season. But I do vaguely remember that, I think. So I also checked in with Dominique Wilkins and Patrick Ewing. What? <laughs> so the correct answer is Dominique Wilkins. Um, he ended his career with the Magic. And uh, Patrick Ewing ended his career with the Magic and was an assistant coach from 07 to, to 2012. Um, he's now the head coach of Georgetown. Yes, he is. I think my connection with Orlando was more the assistant coach thing. At, <laughs> but, but I was like, hey, Magic. It was one of the it was it was one of the weirdest things to see is just like oh it's magic call a timeout and they go cut over to the bench and you just see Patrick Ewing sitting there. He was always talking. He was always talking to Dwight. Always he was always you know chatting with Dwight Howard. Well, that was probably his job was coaching the centers. Right? Oh, one thousand percent was. <laughs> you're coming here to help Dwight Howard. Don't talk to the other players. Like you're right. Question six. As a fan of the Orlando Magic, I was surprised to see this player at number two on the list of franchise leaders and points scored. He played for the Magic for 10 seasons, so maybe I shouldn't be that surprised. I'll check in. Scott is checked in. So somebody played for him for a long time and was like above average, but not great. And Is it possibly the guy I said early on in when we were talking about Nick Anderson? Oh, so who, who would be first? Dwight Howard, maybe? Shaq's probably not first, I wouldn't think. No, probably not. Nope. I just know Nick Anderson was there for a long. Like, was he their first over? Was he their first draft pick? I think he was. It was a, that would have been what uh, 88 or eighty nine. They came in with the Wolves, didn't they, Josh? The Magic and Wolves came so. in together. I think they did. Yes. So let's do it. Have you played there for ten C? I I I mean, I just know he played for a long time, and he was a scorer. It's better than anything I got. I'm, I I can't think of anyone else. Who was uh, really Grant Hill? Ten years? I don't think he was there for ten years. That's the thing. That's going to help us is ten years. Grant Hill did play on the Magic, didn't he? Yeah, but not. No, I just I know I well, Scott gave this like nasty look when I said his name. He barely played ten games with. Well, that was when he was like all injured, wasn't he? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, he played. He played a good. Well, he was on the team for three years, or something. All right, so we're gonna are we gonna check in with Nick Anderson? Yes. That's fine. All right, we're checking in with Nick Anderson. All right, they're checked in with Nick Anderson. And Scott, what is the correct answer? Uh, one of the reasons I chose the Magic, besides for the fact that they've been in existence my entire life, is I got really into them in the 90s when I first started watching basketballs as a youth uh, with Shaq and Penny and 3D Dennis Scott and who I believe is the number two scorer in franchise history, Nick Anderson. 
All right, and the correct answer is Nick Anderson. Anderson scored 10,650 points in 10 seasons with the Magic. Second behind Dwight Howard, who's got 11,000 plus. Yep. And in third, it was Tracy McGrady. He's got about 8,000 points. Good call, Josh, or whoever picked that up. Well, you know, it was just his name was on the top of my head from earlier, and and I know, and he played for him for a long time. He was in, I know he was on one of the NBA Jam games. He was one of the two. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. I remember that one. It was the same draft when the uh, Wolves got uh, Pooh Richardson. Pooh Richardson. Jerome Pooh Richardson. Pooh Richardson. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't bad. He just wasn't that no. good. He's, he, was he, was serv- okay. he was a serviceable point guard. He was a UCLA guy. He's good. He's fine. So this one should be fairly easy for you guys. What former coach of the Magic holds the NBA record for most assists in a game with 30? I can check in. I think we can check in too. <laughs> you guys know this, right? Matt, you can give the answer. That's right, baby. It's my boy Scotty Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> Is that your answer? Scotty Brooks. <laughs> okay. All right, Scott, what's the right answer? Uh it's uh Scott Skiles. Oh, the wrong All Scott. Right. <laughs> Oh, I knew that, Scott and he was Skiles. confident. I thought he knew it was Scott Skiles. I was, Why I would didn't have you said say something. anything? Because you were so confident. Oh, he knows it. <laughs> I knew it was Scott Skiles. What? And and there goes Mason's game. Well, it was there's gone the, before. There's the chance. Mason was already out because we missed the... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I knew it was Scott was Skiles. Awesome. You were so confident. I was like, oh, you guys know it, obviously. It was, oh, I knew it was a Scott. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that's that's why I asked if he was definitely that it was his answer. I'm like, well, are you Mason, you got to say something. Well, he already said it. He said he was checking in with it. So what was I supposed to do? Who he checked cares? In with it's it. fun. Uh, uh, I said checking in. What am I supposed to do? He's checking in. Why I can't do anything. Why do they have so many Scots? Scott point guards. Two. I remember yeah, two. that now. Yeah. Yeah. So the correct answer Scott is Skiles. Scott Skiles. Yes. Sorry, um, guys. 30 assists in a game against the, the Nuggets. I forget what season it was. There was like a 155 to 116 win over the Nuggets that day. I remember that Scotty Brooks only stole the ball. He didn't do any assists, that's for sure. That's Kyles, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was also in one of the NBA Jam games. Well, Shaq wasn't in a, in a few of them because I don't, for whatever reason. So um, Shaq, was, Shaq was on the original, I think he was on the original console one, like at the arcades. Yeah. And then when the first one came out for like Sega, it, he, they didn't, he didn't give them the rights Yep. Um, for that. Correct. It's a shame too. All right. So final question. Question eight. His name is a play on a song and a basketball slang term for rejecting a dunk or a shot. What is the name of the Magic's mascot? Thought I was going to go perfect this round. Damn you. You also got one wrong already. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then there we go. <laughs> you said the zero wins in the finals. Oh, yeah. That one doesn't count. Yeah, I agree. Scott yeah, right. Skiles I think we, count, we all, <laughs> Scott Skiles counts because. Yeah. Scott Skiles. <laughs> oh, God. I'm writing a whole game on Scotty Brooks. <laughs> I'm not playing that one. <laughs> Out of protest. Yeah. Every pre and post game is going to be Scotty Brooks related. Scotty Brooks Robinson. Scotty Brooks Kepka. There it is. <laughs> that is Scotty Brooks. <laughs> I'm trying to think which slang term for a block I want to try to maybe come up with a song reference out of. Oh, I think I got him. I am tripped. Like, I'm trying to come up with the term. I was thinking like rejection, but I can't come up with how that would be a play on a song. 
I mean, I can, but not one that really would make sense. I'm thinking stuffed. So I start thinking, is it like, is his name hot stuff? Eric, of all the questions, like I thought maybe you'd ask me about Fran Vasquez, a lottery pick that they chose in 2006. Like I know that who never played for them. He stayed overseas, but I didn't expect a mascot question. <laughs> like I know that their original name was the Orlando Sentinels. Like I know all this. I was prepared for these questions. Or they were actually at one point they were going to call them the Orlando Juice and they were going to be like OJ. The Heat were actually were one of their team yep. names as well and the Tropics. Yep. And then they went with, they were going to literally call them the Orlando Juice. Yeah. That's terrible. The Sentinels was one of their names? Yeah. That was like the name that was like proposed. And then they did a fan poll. Isn't that the name of their newspaper, the Orlando Sentinel? Yeah, I think so. They were they did a poll for the fans and uh, the name Challengers won because of the space shuttle. But I'm, thankfully, they did not go with that because that just sounds stupid. That sounds like an arena football team. Uh, I don't have an answer. I'm not going to drag this out any longer. So I'm just going to check in with uh, my favorite New Kids on the Block song and say that the mascot was the right stuff. All right. So Scott's checked in. Mason, Josh, and Matt, what did you come up with? So I started off with just the slang term, which I sent to those guys, and that's what led to Mason getting it. I just said, is it stuff? Uh, that's the only term I could think of for a blocked dunk attempt is a stuff. And there is, I remember the mascot's a weird looking thing. And when I realized the song reference, uh, this particular creature probably lived by the sea. Um, I don't remember the rest of the lyrics, uh, <laughs> but we went with stuff, the magic dragon. Stuff That's definitely right. I've heard that. Dragon. He frolicked in the autumn mist in the land of Hanali. Yep. Peter Paul Mary. So the correct. So the correct, you both teams are getting points. The correct answer is hanging stuff. The magic dragon. <laughs> um, <laughs> pre and post game for the last one there. I didn't... Stuff the magic dragon. <laughs> no, so the, the magic's mascot name is stuff. The magic dragon with the play on puff, the magic dragon and the slang term stuff. Nice, so, nice pull there, Mason. Good job. Hey, Matt came up with stuff and then it clicked right away when he said that. All right. So after the final round, the magic trivia, we have the following scores. Uh, with 208 points, Scott. With 218 points, Josh. With 220 points, Matt. With 248 points, Mason. And our clipboard captain of the game, who will be receiving the coveted Tom Tupa Award, with 268 points is Eric Ede. Well done. I'm so, ha- I'm so happy. That ended up being a lot closer than I thought it would be. This is a lot of fun. This was good. Yeah, it was awesome. This was fun. I just want to say, I started off this game, I got a hockey question right. So my night is made. Nice. I'm good. Goes down in podcast history. All right. Well, anyone else have anything else they want to, want to say? No, this was great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, this was fun. Yes. Yeah, this was a lot of fun for sure. We should definitely do something like this again. I'll pick a different team. Thanks for listening to the Bench Warmers Trivia Podcast. And until next time, we'll keep the bench warm. That ball hit high and deep. Stretch. Stretch. Get on back there. They look up. You can put it on the board. Yes. Yes. Into deep left center for Mitchell. And we'll see you 
tomorrow night. That great music you're listening to is by Justin Nozick. Thanks to him for producing that music for us. You've been listening to the Benchwarmers Trivia Podcast. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media. We are at Benchwarmers TP.